Welcome to the Invest Smarter Podcast, where you'll learn about the power of building wealth through real estate and how you can achieve financial freedom through multifamily investing. If you're interested in learning more about investing in multifamily real estate, head over to our website, sastexascapital.com, and take advantage of our free ebook, Multifamily Millions, How Anyone Can Invest in Apartment Buildings. Now, here's our host, Simon Castillo. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Invest Smarter Podcast. And I'm your host, Simon Castillo, and today we're going to talk about interest rates and the interesting decision that the Fed made last week to uh, pause their interest rate uh, hikes and what that could mean to investors. So this is, uh, I think this is going to be a really good episode. Uh, hopefully you'll find some value in it. Uh, before we get started, I do want to remind everyone that, as always, we do have investment opportunities that are available to you right now, and the best way for you to find out about them is to head over to our website, sastexascapital.com. There you can find some free resources to download. You can also sign up for our newsletter. Any of those things will get you onto our email list and will notify you of when opportunities become available. Um, there are opportunities available now. So if you're interested, um, head over to sastexascapital.com. You can shoot me a direct message, simon at sastexascapital.com as well. If you have questions, want to learn more, I'd be happy to answer your, your questions or, or get on a call. But like I said, today's focus is looking at what interest rates are doing and uh, what I feel like they could be uh, doing for the next uh, you know 12 to 18 months. So last week, we, we uh, received word that Jerome Powell uh, is, is thinking that there's likely going to be another rate hike um, sometime in 2023 and likely additional hikes in, in 2024. And I think this goes against what a lot of real estate and Wall Street people have anticipated, you know, for a while now. Uh, in fact, just last week and even uh, uh, early this week, I've already read a lot of articles where experts, you know, were anticipating that rates would start coming down sometime in, in uh, 2024. I don't think that this is going to be the case. Um, and, and keep in mind that everything that I say here is going to be my own opinion and it could be drastically wrong. Uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen in the future or can forecast the future with any certainty. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But I think this is this is a valid um, opinion based on what I've seen and the evidence that I've read and researched. So if you look at what, you know, pre-COVID, the inflation rate hovered just just above or just below two um, percent. And that is what the, the Fed considers to be uh, their, their target is a 2% you know, sustainable inflation rate. Now, during the COVID crash, the inflation rate went almost down to zero. And then in the last um, you know, 18, 18 months to a year, it spiked all the way back up to 9%. Now, today, as of today, we're somewhere around 3.6%. And the lowest that we've been in the last year or so has been just under 3%. So just in the last couple of months, the inflation rate has risen about 70 basis points. The Fed really has you know, two primary tools in their arsenal. You know, The Fed funds rate, which is essentially the rate at which commercial banks borrow and lend their reserves to each other overnight. And this is said by the, uh, set by the Fed, essentially. The other tool that they have is, is, is basically anytime that Jerome Powell or some of the Fed chiefs uh, talk about their outlook on the economy. The market always anticipates what they're going to say, and then the market will tend to overreact to whatever is said. Um, you know, you'll see the equity markets 
uh, or anticipating a soft landing and stocks have been up quite a bit um, and they were up quite a bit just before Powell announced his decision last week. But as soon as the market heard that rates were going to be at a higher level for a longer period of time, the equity markets did not like that and stocks went down across the board. You know, for many people that are that are real estate investors, you know, we're we're wondering what's next, you know, what's next for us. And I would I would say that lending relationships um, have been very important over the last two years for investors and banks are starting to tighten their belts. They're not lending as much, and many banks have just closed lending altogether. So if you go right now to get a loan for um, like a ground up development, most banks right now do not have the appetite for that. Now, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I, I'm a big believer that, you know, lending relationships with small or regional banks are so important. And in times like these, I can't emphasize enough that it's that those lending relationships are what you need in order to be able to rely and be able to get your loans. Now, I, I've got a number of lending relationships with brokers and banks that, that we've done deals with in the past. And even those relationships are under pressure, you know, from their board and their president and they're being very, very careful and diligent about what types of loans they're lending on. So right now, if there's anything that we present that's that's vacant, that's um, run down, that is a high value add deal, it's being questioned heavily. And for that reason, you know, I'm an advocate of starting to use uh, lending brokers. In, in in today's environment, I would say that lending brokers provide you with some advantages, especially. If you've been to the closing table and had a deal pulled on you at the last minute, you know, lenders will say, yes, we can do the loan and they'll, they'll do everything they can to, to possibly do the loan. And they're going to come across as positive, right? Because ultimately the decision to process a loan, you know, goes through hurdles. And we've seen this, you know, time and time again, where one of these decision-making uh, people or hurdles uh, says no to a loan at the very last minute. And often the lender, for whatever reason, is slow to respond to the applicant and say, yes, you know, we can't do this loan. And I've seen it where you may even get to the closing table and find out that the loan is not going to get done. Um, and then the applicant has to reach out to the lender for an update and find out what the trouble is and why the loan is not getting approved. And for this reason, I really think it's essential right now for people in commercial real estate, especially uh, to have two lenders uh, plus a lending broker. And it's important, again, because in this environment, it, it's very unstable and decisions and lending appetites change by the week, if not by the day. And it's hard to predict where inflation is going to go and where interest rates are going to go. Now, I probably haven't said anything that you may not already be aware of, but one thing that I think is being overlooked is gas prices. Now, recently, OPEC cut production uh, because they think energy prices are in a slump. And if you look at West Texas crude oil, just three months ago, it was $67 a barrel. As of today, it's over $90 a barrel and up over a dollar since the Fed's decision last week. So after the last few hurricanes in the, in the Gulf of uh, Mexico, you know, there's been a slump in oil prices, some refineries shut down, and some have not even reopened. And because of that, the U.S. capacity for refining crude oil into gasoline has diminished, even though demand has not, um, has not come down. So obviously that means that output production is lower and we don't have a lot of room to increase uh, the refining of oil into gas. And ultimately that means that there's a gap uh, before when oil prices shot up. And that gap between oil and gas is quite a bit larger than it has been historically. We're anticipating oil prices exceeding $100 a barrel you know, pretty soon. 
The last couple of times that oil was at $100 or more was in 2008 and 2014. And both times, gas was at about $3.30 a barrel, you know, roughly, you know, give or take, depending on what part of the country you're in. Then in 2022, oil was at $100 and gas prices were at $4.20, again, roughly give or take. My anticipation, my prediction is that when oil is over $100 a barrel, and I think that's going to happen, you know, probably sooner rather than later, gas prices are going to be close to $5 per gallon. Now, why, why is that important or why does that, make, why does that matter? Well, this factors into inflation again. Back in 2008, when, when gas prices were $4 a gallon, that was a huge strain on the economy. Now, if gas prices hit $5 a gallon now, it's going to alter the types of decisions that we make as consumers. We may not drive as much. We're not going to shop as much. We're not going to go out to eat as much. And our entertainment options will be, will be uh, much, much uh, smaller. You know, the Fed wants inflation down to around 2%. But if gas prices rise the way I think they will, that could completely derail reducing inflation. And what that creates is kind of the perfect storm where people will have less money to spend because of inflation, they're not going to be driving as much, they won't be leaving the house as much, and everything's going to cost more money. Now, there's a lot of talk uh, amongst people about a soft landing. Uh, they're saying that the worst is over again, but I think we're just now heading into the storm. And when the gas prices are up, inflation is up, you know, we're going to have some job losses because people are spending less money. Now, at the end of every recessionary period, liquidity tends to dry up. And if you watch any financial news broadcast, if you read the Wall Street Journal, it talks about how much liquidity is sitting on the sidelines. Well, liquidity has to dry up. The liquidity that was created was from the printing of money over the last several years. You know, the Fed printed a ridiculous amount of money, and that's just been, it's not sustainable. And now they're going to have to take that money out of circulation. Something else that no one seems to be talking about is that for the first time ever, credit card debt has surpassed a trillion dollars. That's a trillion dollars. This has never, ever happened before. Now, couple of that with rising interest rates, just because you know you're, you may be getting better interest rates on your savings accounts or your checking accounts and your money market accounts. But guess what? The credit card companies are also going to get to charge a much higher interest rate for your outstanding balances on those credit cards. So think about the middle class. They have higher gas prices. They have higher food prices, inflation, everything's up. The savings rate is almost at an all-time low. I think the lowest that we've ever seen the personal savings rate was about 2%, and that was back in 2005. However, in 2005, the economy was great. Interest rates were low. Uh, there wasn't really a, a reason for people to, to save money. Uh, there was, you know, people were, were prosperous and they were going out and spending money, but now here in 2023, the savings rate is about three and a half percent. Also relatively um, close to the all-time low. The historical rate for the savings rate is roughly about 10%. You know, there's been some dips and spikes, but we're, we're saving way less than we ever have. And our credit cards are at an all-time high. Again, that's creating what I think is going to be a perfect storm. So I'll start to wrap up with what my outlook is and what we're doing as investors, knowing that there's uncertain times ahead of us. Now, for one, I'll repeat, I don't anticipate a soft landing. 
there's so much speculation that the Fed is going to try to give us a soft landing. Um, the Fed is not concerned with a soft landing. That is not their job. Their job is to control inflation at all costs. And, th and if that means taking liquidity out of the market, hurting the middle class, well, it is what it is, and they have no control. Um, this is out of their control. Um, and so keep an eye on any loans that you as investors have that may be maturing and try to find options uh, before you hit that maturity date. At a minimum, stress test your finances, knowing that if this loan resets, what it does to your payments, what does it do to, to the asset, the value of the asset? What does it do if you have investors in your deals? What does it do to your investors? And what's the future outlook for that, for that property? But on the flip side, as investors, you have to keep looking for high quality value real estate deals. And yes, interest rates today are going to be seven, seven and a half, eight percent on your loans. But they could also be significantly higher six months from now. So if the deal works at today's interest rates, lock that in for a period of at least five years and know that you're going to be cash flowing at some point in the future when rates are lower. You know, the asset will appreciate in value, provided that you obviously you take care of the property and do the, the, the value add things that you need to do uh, to that property. But just don't anticipate that within six months to a year, the Fed's going to start reducing interest rates. If you look back historically, um, there's been gaps of about three years from where the Fed started increasing rates to when they started reducing rates. This go around, the Fed starting, started increasing rates in March of 2022. So we're roughly about a year and a half into it. Now, there's a possibility that these higher interest rates will loop for another year, year and a half or so. So don't anticipate that rates are coming down anytime soon. Again, stress test all of your deals. You know, you want to make sure that your, your deal makes sense and performs financially, even if you have additional vacancy, maybe you have reduced rents. Or maybe you're not able to sell the property uh, for a number of years after you anticipated uh, that you would be able to exit. But I'm not saying to sit on the sidelines because sellers are going to get more and more desperate. We've gotten to the point where there are loans that are going to start to readjust to higher rates and sellers are going to want to offload some of their properties. So as an active buyer for great assets at great prices, you have to have dry powder in an environment where liquidity is going away. And by dry powder, I mean you have to have your own liquidity, uh, your own assets to be ready to pounce on a deal when it presents itself. You know, we've talked about, you know, people's liquidity going away from um, high interest rate credit cards, increased gas prices, increased inflation, you know, and prices of goods across the board. But as an investor, you will be in a great position if you have your own uh, dry powder or your own liquidity ready uh, to pounce on opportunities when they become available. Now, you can only accumulate so much dry powder. Uh, so what, what else do you do? Well, right now is a time to start talking to investors, getting investors prepped for what's ahead. You know, start a newsletter uh, to let people know that you're anticipating that there's pain, you know, coming up and there's going to be opportunities that come with that pain and who wants to join me on this journey of picking up great assets that are on the rebound and will be at great prices. So there it is. There's my opinion 
on the Fed's announcement last week to pause interest rate hikes. I don't think that by pausing interest rate hikes, they're signaling that this is the end of interest rate hikes. I actually think the opposite. We will continue to feel some pain over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, I'm not anticipating a soft landing. Uh, I, I do anticipate that just like previous market corrections and previous recessions that we've had, uh, that there's going to be pain and there's going to be some job losses. Uh, there will be a, a um, sense of a liquidity crisis. If there is a soft landing, you might as well rewrite all of the economic books and rewrite the courses uh, that you were taught in college because then nothing really makes um, economic sense. You simply cannot have one of the longest bull runs in the history of the United States and one of the most lengthy, prosperous times ever that we've had without some sort of a strong correction. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Invest Smarter Podcast. I wish you the absolute best going forward. As, in, as investors, be mindful of your lending relationships. Be mindful of where interest rates are. Stress test your deals. Have dry powder ready to pounce on deals and take this opportunity now to be having those conversations with your investors and have their capital lined up and ready to pounce when opportunities present themselves. Be conservative, stress test your deals, accumulate liquidity. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with somebody that you think would benefit from it. Have an absolute great day and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the Invest Smarter Podcast, the show that educates you so that you can take control of your financial future. Be sure to rate the show five stars and leave us a review. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you automatically receive the newest edition of the podcast when it's released. If you're interested in learning more about investing in multifamily real estate and taking control of your financial future, head over to our website, sastexascapital.com and take advantage of our free ebook, multifamily millions, how anyone can invest in apartment buildings. And be sure to sign up for our mailing list to receive exclusive investment opportunities straight to your inbox. It's time to invest smarter. That's sastexascapital.com.